Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Justin, are you on the line? I am. Awesome. I'm excited to welcome the program for CW's Jane the Virgin, Justin Baldoni. Justin, thanks for calling in. Uh, this docu-series coming up, My Last Days, August 17th, 18th, and 19th on the CW. What a tremendous story and something that people, everyone needs to watch for sure. I mean, how did you get Thank involved? Thank you so much. Tell us about so, how you got involved. Uh, my Last Days was an idea that uh, came to me about four and a half years ago, five years ago. I'd actually left the acting business and uh, was just focused on directing and producing and starting to create content that I thought could make the world a better place. And I grew up uh, in the Baha'i faith. If you don't know what the Baha'i faith is, it's a world religion that believes in love and unity and and that all the religions agree at the core. You know, that man screwed up everything, but at at the core, we all believe the same thing and we're all trying to get to the same place. And one of the things that is talked about a lot is this idea of death and our mortality and how if we think about the fact that we're mortal and if we think about death, it will actually influence the way we live because it's the one thing that we all have in common. You know, as scary and as much as it sucks, we're all going to lose our grandparents. We're all going to lose our parents one day, and, you know, eventually we're not going to be here. So we got to kind of think about what we're going to bring with us. We've got to pack our bags. We've got to, you know, prepare ourselves emotionally and, you know, treat life a certain way. And I realized that, you know, I'm a, I'm a procrastinator. I think a lot of people my age are procrastinators. But we shouldn't be procrastinating to live the lives we want to live until it's too late. So I wanted to create a show that celebrated life and inspired people to really live uh, through the stories of people who just didn't have that much time left. Because the one thing that they all wish they had was time. The one thing they yes. all wish they yeah. had was, uh, was six more months or another two years. And those right. of us that do, we should be living for them. Yeah, and that's such a great point that you make. And I think that the whole fact of the matter is when you go through a terminally ill and you know you have a certain amount of time to live, that live this like it's your last day on earth. That's a definite thing, the thought process. People worry too much. They look at tomorrow instead of focusing on today because you never know when that time will come. And and that's what it sounds like you're looking at these people in this in this documentary that – know they're going to die, but yet are still trying to live life to the fullest, right? Yeah, it almost kind of makes you, it makes them live more, right? right. right? Like, it's, they like take, it, everything's, everything's more rich, everything's more beautiful. Sunsets are more beautiful, you know? But I'm sitting right now in front of a, in front of a park, a beautiful little park here in L.A., and I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. And if, I don't know if I would think that way if I wasn't doing this show, and I wasn't surrounded by people that, literally just take in every single moment because they need to, because they have to. And we have that same opportunity. You know, it's a, that exists for every one of us, every one of us that's listening, every one of us yeah. that's yeah. not listening. You tell your friends and family, we have that same chance to appreciate every moment and do what we can. You know, it's all here. It's in front of us. And, Justin, that's the point. Yeah, it's all here in front of us. We don't need to be worrying about how much money we have. We don't need to be worrying about uh, what's happening, what someone's saying about us. Every last breath we have, we need to live to the fullest. We need to do things to serve others, but we also need to do things that are going to be enjoyable so we don't eat our bodies away of worry, fear, anxiety, and uh, hatred, right? 
sort of the, I mean, those are the, those are those things are the real cancer. And um, and one of the interesting things is that you know, look, none of us are ever going to do this perfectly. No one's going like doesn't matter who you are, and, and and even the people that find out they're dying, they still don't get to you know, not every single breath is spent saying good things. You know, it's just impossible to be perfect and to always think that way. But if you try, you know, if you change your perspective and you reframe whatever you're struggling with in your life and you just reframe it by being grateful that you're even able to have that struggle, then that can change the whole perspective on what you're going through. And that's why this show, that's why we made this documentary series about these people is because that's what they're doing every single day. You know, every single day they all have their versions of these obstacles that they're overcoming and they're finding a way to be happy despite that. And that's so inspiring to me. So it's a very inspirational show. It's a happy show. It's not a morbid. It's not. It's not going to make you depressed when you watch it. It's going to make right. you want to live. So the people that you're in this docu series for the three days, how did you kind of find those people that are have terminal uh, illnesses and stuff to follow? So it was a mix of uh, you know casting and also uh, social media and uh, luck and God's grace. Um, you know, we found that a lot of people that find out they're terminal tend to go to social media and to YouTube and to blogging because right. the one thing everybody wants is to have their story told. They want to be remembered. They want to leave something behind and, and you know, use what, use what they're going through to help others. And, um, and it was really, really cool to be able to, you know, I mean, I even found some people on Instagram because they would hashtag terminal cancer. Um, and, uh, yeah, wow. and you, we do these pre-interviews, and we tell them what we're doing, and they're like, yes, I want to have my story told. And we dive in. Have that story told, and I think that's the, the most important part of this is having their story told. So people are going to laugh, they're going to cry, they're, they're going to be happy, and it's going to change a lot of perspectives. I think this is what your goal was, Justin, is for people to change their perspective after watching this and seeing people living life to the fullest and saying, what are you doing on this couch? What are you doing moping around? Live life. That's it, man. That's exactly it. You know, young people today are faced with so many different challenges than, you know, I was faced. I'm 32. And, you know, now you have social media and you have Snapchat and you have Instagram and you have the comparison of your life to somebody else's on a daily basis right in front of you. You know, and and, and work is hard and, you know, all of these things. And, you know, it's just we need something to change the conversation, to take it off of us, you know, because right now everything is engineered to be I, 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 me, 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 me. It's all about like, you know, this and this. But what if it was changed? What if it was we? What if it was taking it off of me and making it about you and being of service? And what if it was that, what if that was the way to find happiness? And this, this show dives into all of those little things without preaching, but you just get to watch people that are doing it. And if we can change a couple perspectives, you know, if a couple people, Use, you know, pick up the phone after they watch and they're like, you know what, Mom, I haven't talked to you in a while. I love you so much. Thank you. Or, right. I'm, you know what, this is a stupid fight that we're in. Let's end it. Those kinds of things, if we can do that, then we succeeded. Well, Justin, you're doing God's work, and that's all I'm going to bring up in my faith, in my belief system, that you're doing God's work, and you're really trying to show people that we are given time to do great things, and let's do them. We all can do great things. It doesn't matter who we Amen are. It doesn't matter our, our, our socioeconomic 
background, anything. We all can do great things by just smiling and by serving others and helping others. And I can just see that. I saw some of the things on YouTube about you in education as well, uh, Justin, and that's my big, uh, big push as well as education and helping. And I see a lot of different things you're involved in, and you're really using your celebrity status for the best. Okay, so on the 17th, 18th, and 19th of August, people need to tune into the CW. What time, Justin, uh, should they turn in? Nah. Tune in. Yeah, so uh, if you're on the East Coast and West Coast, it's 9 p.m., and if you're uh, Central Time, it's 8 p.m. So 9 p.m., 8 Central on the CW, and thank you so much for watching and for giving us your time. And I I hope uh, and I know that if you do tune in, you will not be disappointed. And bring your families together. Watch this with your families, like what what TV used to be about. Get everyone together, sit on the couch Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and watch this show. Absolutely, and uh, also uh, your season soon comes for another season of Jane and the Virgin, right? When does that come up? In October, yeah. correct? Yeah, we started shooting that. We started shooting that, and uh, we're shooting season three now, and it's uh, mid-October, I believe, it starts to air again on the CW. So, yeah, man, God is good. So many blessings, and uh, and hopefully we'll continue to do some good stuff with it. How can we follow you on social media? What's your Twitter account to follow you? Sure, my Twitter, uh, it's just my name, Justin Baldoni, on Twitter, on Instagram, and uh, Snapchat, and God, whatever else they invent next. Hopefully, won't be spending too much time on those things. But, uh, but yeah, it's all, uh, everything, I try, I try to use that to inspire people, too, and you won't see too many shirtless selfies of me, unfortunately, but, uh, or fortunately, depending on who you are. Um, yeah, so it's all good. All right. It's all good stuff in our world. Fantastic, and you also have the CW Upfront presentation as well and, um, and uh, at CWTV.com, correct? Yeah, so you can go to CWTV.com and you can, you, know, you can watch the My Last Days episodes after they air, and they're actually, you can actually watch, they're longer. You can watch the 30-minute versions online. We're showing 18-minute versions, so if you love the stories, you want to go deeper and, and see more of the backstory and see more of who they are, then you can watch them online on CW. TV.com, and there's a new platform called CW Good, where it's going to be all of this kind of stuff on CW. Well, Justin, thanks for calling. Best of luck in this next season. Best of luck on this event. I know it did really well the last time. My last days. Everyone needs to tune in the 17th, 18th, and 19th. Thanks for calling, Justin. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show with Peter Elvis. Peter, I'm sorry I couldn't get a question in with Megan. We talked a little bit about uh, other things, but we do have our next guest on the line, and we're saving the, la- the best for last of our phone-in conversations. So, uh, Patrika, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Oh, so I'm excited yes. to welcome the program. Actress, Good morning. Time Emmy nominated, nominated Patrika Darbo. We all know her from all the different uh, soaps, especially days of our lives. Patrika, thanks for calling, and how are you? Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm having this crazy day. Uh, uh, seven out of eight guests went through in two hours. So, and, and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm filming for television and going live TV, so you can't beat that for sure. And so I – Tell us specifically how it felt, again, for the anniversary of Days of Our Lives. What did that well, make you, you feel and yeah, all that? It, well, first of all, it's so great to be 
a part of such a great family that's been around for a long time. And 50 years, that's pretty terrific for any television show to be around. Um, So to be welcomed back, to have fun at a party, and then I just finished doing some filming of it, which I'll be back on in November. And um, it's just, I'm just very blessed. Oh, that's, that's tremendous. But then, you know, you've had such great success on that show, and now your latest project, wow, you got to be excited about the um, primetime Emmy nomination for Acting Dead. So tell me about uh, this project and stuff. Well, Acting Dead is basically about a young actor who couldn't get a job until he turned himself into a zombie because that's all anybody was hiring <laughs> were zombies. So it's a it's a very funny a show, and everybody can go to www.actingdead.com to see it. And I get to play his outrageous agent who has um, a little sign on her desk that has travel agent crossed out and talent agent in there. So it kind of gives you an idea about how crazy I am on this. Um, it was uh, we're the only indie show uh, that um, out of the cat, my category that got I got nominated, uh, which means that we sort of begged, borrowed, and uh, pleaded with family to give us money to do it. None of the actors uh, and most of the crew did not get paid. It was all deferred. So my nomination is sort of an icing on the cake, and we're hoping we'll get to do our second season, and someone will pick us up or give us a little money so we don't have to turn in those pop bottles. And, Patricia, what you see when you get approached for these kind of projects is that you love the fact that pilot season never ends. There's opportunities always, and then this gets you back on uh, the stage and, and anytime you're nominated for something for sure, uh, th- that you see these projects, and they wouldn't be out there if it wasn't for all these platforms, right? Well, that's what makes it so wonderful, and that's, you know, it's, I always tell young actors that I coach and things like that that, you know, there are small parts but you can turn them into other projects because there's, you never know who's watching or what will happen with it. So, and as actors, it feeds our soul to perform. So um, do it. That's the most important thing. Let's do it. Peter, do you have a question for Patrika? I'm going to go into some of the other things that she's done and some of our favorite highlights, but do you have a question for her? That's my uh, Um, producer and also assistant. Hi. I, I, hello. I, I actually don't quite at the moment, but uh, come back to me. I'm pretty certain I'll have one. <laughs> okay, I'll just jump back to that one again. Get a chance. He's the one that makes all my social media roll, Patrika. It's amazing the amount of stuff that I used to be able to do on my own with Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all these things that I will I don't have time for anymore. And he just makes the our our, our social media component come come alive. So that's such an important part of it. And I think that that's something as an isn't, actress you've seen social media has grown so much happen. And I, as a sort as a as the older woman and the older performer, it's a it's a little tough for me because I'm just learning some of the things. And you know, I have a smartphone, and it is a smartphone. It's sometimes smarter than I am. So learning the the tweeting and the the what is it the facebooking and all that stuff is just kind of crazy but it is important and, and it, i think it's wonderful that we can be in touch with our fans our friends and family just at a you know fingertip just doing something so 
It's when great. you talked about your pro- your project that's independent, I'm looking to start a reality television show with my family and different things like that. I'm a former professional wrestler, Patrika, not a star, but you know I was in the independents and ran into a lot of the major stars of today and the, of yesterday. That you can have now platforms like Facebook and YouTube and have the possibility of doing a lot of good content promotion to continue to grow your brand or have an opportunity that could take your career off. So that's the thing that if you have talent and opportunity, you can go for it now. And I think that's so cool. That's the, well, that's the fun it, thing. And, yeah. It, it's great because, to have talent to do that. I mean, but there are a lot of people out there that, you know, are not major performers or have never performed at all that right. um, gain, uh, gain a tremendous amount of followings and suddenly they're in an internet star. So it's we've opened up the doors for anything and everything. Um, and so if you have a project, you know, whether you think you can or you can't, I think Ford said, you're right. So get out there, do it, and, and you know, God bless you for trying to do something new and to have something like that. That's terrific. Yeah, and it's, I, have, I have five kids of my own. I've, I'm, I've talked to certain reality television experts and things like that, but I'm just at this point now where I know there's not tons of money to get those deals because they're getting a lot of people. I have friends that have done shows that I've interviewed and stuff that haven't made much money. If you make it your platform, you have an opportunity to make the most, and you also can just look at these YouTubers and stuff. It's amazing. Well, and I think there I think there was an article yesterday in the Hollywood Reporter. I'm not really sure, I'm sure if it was there, but it was talking about there is so much television out there that they think that it might kind of implode on itself. And um, I, I wish I could tell you more about that article, but it said that there is so much television. Um, Emmy voting, uh, Monday starts the voting. So for all you voters out there, please take a look at my program because voting starts on Monday, and I can't afford to advertise like some of the big guys do. So help oh, me yeah. out there, so, but yeah, yeah. So how, how do we vote? Tell me how that voting process works. Well, you you need to be yeah. a member of the the Television Academy, and it's peer to peer. And um, I wouldn't be here without my fellow performers giving me the nomination, and they are the only ones that now can give me the nomi not the um, uh, award, the Emmy. So I hope that they all vote, they take a look, and that I'm their number one choice. Some of your interesting stuff you've done, Patrika, in your career as a working actress, not just the experience you've had in Days of Our Lives. You've been on a lot of different shows, haven't you, and, and, and guest starring roles that you come in at, at certain times, right? The, you're the kind of person that they, they remember you in, in uh, Days of the Lives, and then when they have a certain role that seems like it's a fit, you get a, you end up working on those, right? Well, yes, I have to audition along with my, uh, the other actresses in my category. I mean, uh, I'm a character actress, and there are a lot of us out there. Um, years ago, when I first started doing this, there would be just five of us auditioning for a role, and then they'd pick one of the five. Now there's at least 50 actors act, uh, auditioning for the same role. So it, as as the programming has grown, so has the number of actors, and the, the more people want to do it. And um, now it's so fast because... When you go into a room now, you're basically with the casting director and a camera. Years ago, you would go into the room and the producers would be there, the director would be there, right. the writers would be there. And so you sort of had a built-in audience when you auditioned. Now it's very fast, very flat. Um, as actors, we relate to we're, we're in the eyes where the, the, your soul is in your eyes and we act there. But now we're acting with a camera who doesn't blink. So it's a little tougher <laughs> now. 
Um, but it's, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Absolutely. And, uh, and you see that the, the career can continue to rise and continue to have opportunities, and you never know when those opportunities will come. And that's what you train right. people that you said when you're, you, you coach actors, right? You do some trainings yes. and stuff like that. You tell them you never know when your opportunity is going to come, right? Right. And I always tell them also to, unless something is morally offensive to you um, and, and would hurt someone else, do the role because it gives you a chance yeah. to keep your instrument, which is your acting, your body, keeps you on top of what's going on, gives you an, audition, an opportunity to um, use your instrument. And as I said before, it, even a small role, you never know who's going to see it and say, get that person. I want to try them out for this role. So it's networking that way is very important also. I, I agree I for it, sure. Got to your, I, I your question, it, right? I thought, of a, I thought of a question, uh, just for curiosity's sake. So I have a few friends who are uh, who have low vision or who are totally blind, who uh, like to do acting or like to do uh, social media and do different uh, like skits and things on there. Like for for you when uh, you're coaching people for like acting, um, given given the um, the rare occasion or maybe the rare opportunity to work with someone who has low vision or who is completely blind, how would you, how would you coach them or how would you compensate from a normal scenario? Well, it's, you know, it's different. It's different in the fact that, you know, they're going to have to, first of all, learn their script because they're not going to be able to audition or work with the script. And you, it, it's, it's tougher because, and I shouldn't say tougher because I don't think, um, anyone who has a vision problem, hearing problem, walking problem, whatever problem, feels that they are challenged. They they know they are, they are, but they've overcome that. It's it's the person mm-hmm. looking at them that feels like they're more challenged because I think they they're out there doing stuff. So it's it's it would be my responsibility to help them say, okay, you need to move stage left, which would mean to you know to turn their bodies a little bit so that they're on camera. Um, and then listen to the director. And I think the more we deal in diversity, because diversity just isn't color or race. Diversity right. is whether someone is handicapped, and I hate to use that word, but whether there's hearing problems or sight problems or um, in a chair or have no – I mean, I have a very dear friend, both his arms, who is a wonderful oh, actor. My. And um, uh, he's he, – he he's not just working as a disabled actor. He works as a as a father, or a, you know it. Right. We have to get past we have to get past those things as well as past color and and that kind of and race. So it, okay. it is a little uh, more difficult. Yeah. Uh, more information on you, Patricia. Where can we go? Social media, uh, all those things. Tell our actor I'm, people to vote. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, if you're an actor, you're, you already know to go to the Television Academy because voting starts Monday. You just have to push a button and push my name and, and vote for everyone else. But you know what? As a member, please vote. Um, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Patrika Darbo, on Twitter at Patrika Darbo. Um, my fans all know they can write me at totofans at yahoo.com because I always respond. Because um, without our fans, where would we be? Well, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, best of luck again with the return to days of our lives. I hope you win the Emmy nomination. And we'll be airing it on syndication Monday to start pushing, pushing. And any of my actor friends, I will make sure Peter puts out a good tweet to them 
for them to vote for you, okay? Thank you, honey, and good luck with your reality show. Oh, we'll see what happens. You never know. All right, take care. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was the Neil Haley Show, guys. Take care, and we'll see you next week with some more exciting guests. Take care, everyone. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley Google Plus, and also a comment I want to welcome to my co-host, Peter Elvich. Peter, I told you this is going to be crazy. Such interesting guests when we tape at two hours of television like this, and uh, they've been some wide variety of backgrounds so far, Peter, haven't they? Oh, yeah, very interesting. I've had an awesome time uh, being a part of it, and I'm looking forward to our to our next few guests because I'm, I'm just, it's, it's always awesome to learn about new things and new projects and awesome people. And do, do, Star, are you on the line? I am. So I'm excited to welcome the program, award-winning composer Star Perot. Star, thanks for calling, and uh, you have some so many amazing projects. 13 minutes is definitely not enough time for you, but uh, oh, my gosh, you've had a tremendous career. Thank you. Absolutely. Star, now, did it all start with the Arsenio Hall show, or, or kind of give us that little story? You know what? Uh, that was really kind of the the big thing that, that started everything, but I had a lot of really interesting uh, projects leading up to that. I was... Uh, a, had a little part of being on fame, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> which was, yeah, I, you know, I had started to do some writing and um, I wrote some of the production numbers on fame. And then I was an on-camera musician kind of at the end of my high school. I walked right out of my high school hall into the, the halls of, of the high school at fame, which was just weird, but really, really cool. And um, and then I was on the road with George Howard, uh, who was a, just a wonderful soprano saxophonist. We had an amazing band, and we toured um, opening for Whitney Houston and um, Bill Cosby and just, you know, had kind of an amazing, that was kind of my first tour. And then the Arsenio Hall show happened right after that. Oh, wow. Okay, so can I talk, <laughs> ask a couple questions about fame? And, and if I am able to keep you a little longer, a second segment, it'll just depend. Uh, I might have an opening. I don't know. It's crazy. When you go live radio and then tape television at the same time, it, it's like you can't move around, make text messages or anything. You just got to just keep going because you have a camera on you. It's funny. When you do radio, yeah. you oh do everything. You, you, you can shove <laughs> your PJs and be fine. But when you're doing television, you can't do that. So, yeah, tell us about fame. I mean, I was such a huge fan of fame. That project must have been amazing to be part of. You know, it was really amazing, and I never really found out how it came about, which is a testament to just kind of being ready and being open for whatever comes your way. And, uh, you know, it was just uh, it was the television show that I was involved in, and just they were looking for musicians, and actually they had never really had a woman musician, and they called me and said, do you think that anyone would believe that there was a girl keyboard player at the, you know, at the school? And I said, yes, I think so. <laughs> So, so, and then, and then once, um, once I started just being an on-camera musician and, and we sometimes would play live on the show and sometimes we just play lip sync to tape, um, 
I started writing uh, and wrote some of their production number, you know, songs and stuff like that, which was really, really cool. And that, you know, wasn't, it was kind of towards the end of when they were on the air and, and uh, it was just a really cool experience. Definitely. And so that led to the opportunity of Arsenio Hall show. Not really, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I guess one thing does lead to another. That wasn't really Mm -hmm. what led to it. It was, uh, it was just uh, I had <laughs> I had been asked by a local newscaster um, who was also a comedian Fritz Coleman in Los Angeles to do his talk show, and he he just didn't you know he just didn't have the budget for a whole band so he wanted me to just be the whole band and I remember having about maybe ten synthesizers and he wanted me to stand on a which I did <laughs> and and he had a, a, a you know, a very short-lived but really cool talk show in L.A. And and I think that was kind of what led to being on the Arsenio Hall show as well as some, some personal relationships, um, you know, and, and then just auditioning for it. Right. It's part of that band. It's big uh, things of the show when the success of the Arsenio Hall show, in my opinion, for sure, the band and everything. Arsenio really oh. utilized that as an important part of his whole his whole brand and his whole show. You know, Arsenio is a bass player and was always wanting to sit in. He was actually a really good bass player, and um, he just he was such a fan. I think one of the things that really um, contributed to the success of his his original talk show was that he was such a huge fan of everybody that came on the show that he just had kind of an effervescence about him and he was like that with the band too he just he wanted to feature us because he was you know he just loved music so much he wanted right. to hear it <laughs> that and, and that's great and did you enjoy working with the band and stuff and did you learn a lot from that experience Yes, I did. I mean, I was I was a really young musician at the time. That was, uh, you know, a completely different experience than the smaller talk show I had done <laughs> or any kind of, you know, road experience, being on live TV and having things happen um, that were unexpected oftentimes. For instance, uh, you know, a guest would just start singing uh, a song and you just have to start playing it, <laughs> you know. Or, you know, if somebody could say something to you at any moment, you just had to make sure, you know, that you were ready and listening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience. The band was really close. We were all very close friends and still are. And, um, you know, the, it was like a, a big family. It was a really, really neat uh, thing to be a part of. It seems real, really neat for sure. And, uh and having that experience. But what is interesting when you look at your background is that, you know, you played, so you played in the band keyboard. Am I correct? Is that what you're playing with the band? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was playing keyboard in the band. So that evolution of keyboard to composer, because again, you're a multi award winning composer. Uh, what did, which came first, the compo- composing or the keyboard, or they were, you were working on both of them at the same time. I was always uh, composing, even when I wasn't doing it for an orchestra or for for any kind of picture. 
I just always loved writing and was always writing stuff in my head. But um, concurrently, while I was playing on the Arsenio Hall show, my my husband and partner in, in life and, you know, everything, and I started writing uh, for movie trailers. And um, mm-hmm. we got the opportunity because a neighbor of ours was a producer of some movie trailers, and he needed somebody to do something for, I think it was uh, Mississippi Masala or Straight Out of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I think it was those two that were our very first one. And um, we just kind of got the knack for it. We really loved it because there were so many different um, musical styles, you know, that we could yes. really delve into. And it was just a really, really cool um, also, you know, we got to use the very best musicians in LA and we were recording wow, all the yeah. time. Um, and so it was just wonderful, wonderful experience. And that, that kind of took over. So when the Arsenio Hall show ended, I was pretty much writing full time. I, I was asked to go on the road with a couple of different bands at, right after the Arsenio Hall show ended. Right. And I just really wanted to spend my time writing. So, um, so that's kind of when it really transitioned to to kind of full-time writing. Uh, wow, okay. And so time to find composing for me. Like, I, I, you understand producers and TV, and you understand executive producers and, and also the director. What does a composer do? You said especially with movie trailers is where you started. How, how does that work? You, you, you are writing... The, the theme and everything like that, then you get the musicians together. So kind of define what a composer does. Well, a composer for, for picture really is telling a musical story um, mm-hmm. and trying to find something that's, that's either going to enhance the, the story and the picture or that's going to be so transparent that it just kind of is underlying but doesn't create any kind of... Um, an overly sappy or, <laughs> right. you know, any, any kind of a feeling or something that really builds the action. Um, and you do this just by looking at the picture and feeling the picture and, uh, you know, just writing music for it and then bringing it to life with, with live musicians, sometimes with an orchestra, sometimes with a band, sometimes just solo piano or a solo instrument like a guitar um, and then, of course, when you're writing, you know, for a picture, there's a lot of people involved. Uh, in movie trailers, there's a whole lot of people involved because right. it's such a, you know, there's such a, a big um, consequence if the movie doesn't open. So for movie trailers, basically the goal is to uh, try to tell the story of the movie to as wide an audience as possible. Um, and oftentimes there's many different movie trailers that kind of target different audiences. Maybe, you know, there'll be one that will target teenage boys and one that targets their parents. And, you know, I mean, you you just never know. So you have to be really cognizant of that. And also musically the style, um, you know, really goes along with that too. And then as far as longer form, you know, it's, it's really all about the story and the director's vision um, and the characters in the story. And then you kind of create a, a palette of sound right. that you decide, you know, this, this is going to be an orchestral score or this is going to have some really cool ambient pads right. with, with solo instruments over it. And then you use that palette to, to create the score. 
it brings the characters to life stuff. Okay. And yeah. like I think of just watching an old Goonies film. My wife purchased it for the kids during uh, a, a little bit of break where I was off and uh, for $4. And I start listening. And what made the Goonies the Goonies was Cindy Lauper and also the other music that was composed throughout that time. The stuff that was out there, it just told the story and made the characters come to life. Sometimes I think that's missing at Time Star in a lot of projects now is the music. Agree? Well, are you saying that the music is different than it used to be, or are you saying that maybe the music is some people miss the point. Like parts? think of Star Wars. Think of Star Wars and how they're able to allow music to be almost as important a part to the storyline that some of these people get this and other people don't involving music composition. I think you know I I agree with you. I totally agree with you and I think that, that what you're hitting on is that there's themes and melodies and I think that there's been a trend um to get away from that in some ways that, that that's kind of been considered kind of an edgy thing or kind of uh right. some a way that people have kind of gone um where it's just very ambient underneath without the themes and melodies. And that's yes. just, you know, it's another another way of looking at it. But I do love the themes as well. And especially, you know, you can really, it doesn't have to be a theme for a person. It can be a theme for a place. It can be a theme for a time, you know. So there's, you know, when you, you're so right when you hear Star Wars, I mean, that's just, you know, one of the greatest yeah. Exactly. And we'll talk about the James Bond thing quickly, but I want, just in case if our other, uh, if, uh, my other guest does get on the line, uh, tonight in Oregon, tell us about that, especially what your event tonight in Oregon, your uh, concert. Tell us about that. Well, I'm, I'm doing kind of a mini tour. Um, I, I started playing solo piano. Um, I've always I've always played piano, and it's a it's kind of a touchstone for me. And I did a solo piano record uh, several years ago called Commonplaces, which really met with a lot of uh, critical success, considering that I, I did it, you know, just really for the love of it and for, you know, wanting to, wanting to play and really connect with people. And so I just have finished another record. It's called The Heart of Frida, and it's, music, uh, solo piano music that's inspired by the life and art of Frida Kahlo, the great Mexican painter. And, and so I've just been, you know, um, it's, it's actually, today is really the official release date of it. And I've just been, you know, going around and playing concerts and, you know, connecting with people. And that's one thing that I'm doing tonight. I'm playing in Florence, Oregon. Uh, last night I played in Eugene, Oregon. And a few days ago I played in Seattle and just kind of doing a mini tour, just, you know, just to play and connect. And, and I just enjoy playing so much and, you know, to support this record as well, that the Heart of Frida record. All right. Well, fantastic. We're um, going to best your best place to purchase your music right now and find out information about you. Where can we go? And I want to see if I can hold you on for a little bit more for the second segment. Uh, best place we can find info just so if something changes, Star, where can we go? Oh, you can go to iTunes or Amazon or Bandcamp and any of those places you can find my music and, and you can download it or, or you know, even get a physical C D of it. Well fantastic. Uh thanks uh 
we'll hold you on for one more segment, but when we get back, you're watching the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show with my co-host, Peter Elvich, and I know Peter question for Star. Tell us, uh, ask us the, what, what question do you have for Star? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a bit of a curveball question, and I, you know, you, you might relate to it, you might not, but I'm just generally curious for the sake of educating not only the audience, but yourself but, uh, possibly as well. Did you know that um, for blind and visually impaired students that there is uh, upper music uh, being able to compose as well as be able to read it while they're playing their instrument? No, I didn't, and that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing and wonderful to hear, but I didn't, I didn't know that. And, and the, the reason why I ask is because um, – Having a lot of experience myself doing well, like I was in school, um, I had I, I was going through class and learning guitar, and having the limited vision that I had, I was learning music code at the same time. And I just I like to tell people those really fun facts because um, the the music code, math code aren't very publicly known. It's just the basic braille code that's known. So I figured someone in your aspect of music, which is a, a major thing to me as well. Um, so I thought that would be something rather interesting because you can get a digital, you can get this in digital uh, format for various different uh, devices and or you can get it physically printed out and uh, people can read it while they're either playing an instrument or maybe they're, they, they do have an ability for vocal solos and for all these, all these different sorts of things. And it's, a, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting thing I just wanted to put out there, not only for the audience, but maybe if you didn't know yourself. Uh, something fun for you to know. Yeah, no, it's wonderful to know. It, so are you saying that, that as, as well as, you know, um, other kinds of formats, that there's classical music that, that's written in, in Braille for people to, with visually impaired to, to learn? Or? So, so basically, like, anything that, um, you know, how, like, you have musical textbooks, like, if you were to go to school, you have different songs and different things for, like, instruments, and then you'd have different keys and um, the uh, different sim- various symbols for music. And th- what they have is they have a, it's a music code and different, different um, combinations of cells of dots uh, compensate for either a certain key or maybe a certain symbol, you know, to tell how the high or low the pitch is, you know, same thing for right. vocals. Um, there's all sorts of different stuff. And it's, wow. I just found it to be rather fascinating um, not only when I was learning it, but I also find it fascinating when telling other people because, you know, they might not necessarily know about it. And, uh, having a friend that does, you know, he does composing music of his own uh, from purely just uh, sounds uh, in the normal world. It's just awesome to tell different people to uh, give them that experience or to maybe give them that, uh, um, you know, the idea to go out and Google it or check it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right, definitely going to check it out. That's really, really interesting. I didn't know that, but that is really, really cool. And that is very interesting as well. It's very interesting, Peter's uh, my uh, personal assistant and a a producer, and he's able to uh, really let us know more about the blind and visually impaired and some of the amazing things uh, that they can do through technology and other opportunities for sure. Star, now tell us about James Bond now. That scene I'm interested in learning about uh, that opportunity and how cool that was. Wow. Well, that was, again, just, you know, the most amazing thing. 
um, uh, Jeff, my my writing partner, Jeff Fair, and I were doing, you know, starting to do a lot of film trailers. This had just kind of happened, and we became um, acquainted with the head of creative marketing at MGM, whose name was Joan Mbicki, and he was just a real visionary. Um, and we just really hit it off. We had our own kind of musical language, and he called us one day and said, you know, James Bond is, is you know, we're doing a new James Bond film, and we'd love to, for you guys to update the theme. And, uh, you know, what an opportunity that was. And so we did some demos, and really I think it was our second demo uh, that was really just a slight modification of the first one that they went with and really liked. And so we recorded that uh, with, a, with just a, a very small orchestra. I mean, it was l- with live musicians, but it had a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of um, synthesizer on it as well. Um, and it was very guitar heavy. We used Peter Mounu from the Arsenio Hall show on guitar. He was just, oh, wow. you know, amazing, amazing guitarist. And it became kind of an iconic theme for them. Um, it, it was used in GoldenEye, and then they used it, uh, they used it for Die Another Day and The World Is Not Enough in their movie trailers. And they used it in a bunch of ab- advertising. And then they also, um, they also had it on the Best of Bond, their 40th anniversary Best of Bond, which was a gold record. And, and it was just, you know, one of those things where when we kind of became associated with that franchise and that theme, it, it just really opened up a whole world to us. Um, and we started doing a lot of different other themes, too. We worked on Mission Impossible and The Saint and The Wild Wild West. And, oh, you know, wow. for a minute... We were full, <laughs> but you know, you. I guess you are what you you most recently do. You know, so for a while we did that, and um, it was just wonderful. It just was, you know, I love the Bond movies. So when you uh, got uh, awards, what are the awards for as a composer? What film? What was it? Film or television that you got the awards for? Well, we've gotten a lot of different awards. Um, the, we've gotten some some BMI awards for television, but we've also gotten a lot of uh, key art awards, which are kind of the the big award for um, for movie trailers, and uh, you know different different film festival awards as, as well as uh, Kelly's um, for a documentary that we worked on, and um, and for a bunch of the the movie trailers as well. Wow, cool. A lot of uh, uh, cool, cool things for sure uh, coming up. And I think, you, you, again, having your music out uh, available for the public and, and the new album and stuff, that's exciting for you too, right? That's got to be oh my uh, God. exciting for you. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the thing about doing your own record is that although – I, it's not it's not the picture. I kind of have a picture in my mind for each song, and and so I really feel like I'm painting picture and telling a story when I'm playing piano for people. And um, I'm so excited because uh, in October in Los Angeles, I'm I'm teaming up with all of uh, aerialists who uh, were in Cirque du Soleil, and we're going to do solo piano and trapeze uh, with kind of a multimedia thing. And I'm I'm just I'm so excited to be taking the piano in these different areas and, and hopefully connecting with people and, you know, playing music from the heart of Frida and kind of telling Frida Kahlo's story uh, in music. Um, she was such an inspiration to me, and so it's, it's really 
fascinating to kind of learn more and more about her and her life and then try to try to kind of communicate that with different audiences. Well, uh, definitely uh definitely what do you th- what do you think else is new? Are you going to be do you have any projects you're working on as a composer right now for any new pro- films coming out or movies or what's going on that on that end with you and your husband? Well, the 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 thing that I'm just I mean my my record is just literally coming out today. So so basically, I'm I'm going to be supporting that, um, you know, for the next several months, and and really working on putting this thing together with with the girls from Cirque du Soleil, um, and and also we have this really special concert coming up. Um, it, it's uh, from the Alliance of Women Film Composers, of which I'm a member. We're doing a concert uh, of of our work. Um, in downtown Los Angeles uh, next week, on next, gosh, is it next Friday on August 19th? It's put on by LA yes. Grand Performances, and um, so super excited about that too. And so that's kind of what's on the near horizon. So after the album's out for a while, different things, then new projects come. But this is your definite passion and stuff like that. Uh, so, Star, best place we can find information on you again? Say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, where can we find more info on you? Again, uh, your website, things like that. Oh yes, yeah. so you can go to you can go to um, Parodi Fair, which is p a r o d i f a i r dot com, or you can go to starparodi dot com. Um, and then you know, again, if you want to hear the music of of my record, you can go to iTunes or Amazon or Bandcamp, and um, you know, if you just Google. Star Parody, you'll you'll find all those things too. <laughs> and tonight in Oregon, uh, especially, well, I'll have my uh, PA tweeting it out once uh, it just uh, hits the uh, airwaves again uh, later today with the link and stuff. Uh, um, in Oregon tonight at what time? Uh, it is at at seven o'clock tonight. Um, it's uh, at, it's concerts at Kathy's, and it's actually a home concert. Uh, the um, the email to find out about the details for the concert is kathypiano at gmail dot com. K Kathy with a K K A T H Y piano at gmail dot com, and that has all the details of the of the concert tonight in Florence, which is at seven. Um, and then if you if you do Google me, remember that Star has two R's. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, and uh, and I'm sure people will said parody instead of parody, haven't they? Star parody. I know, <laughs> I know. Isn't that the weirdest thing? <laughs> That's a, but, but so that, yeah, that would be a Hollywood name right there. Star. Parody. I know. Well, it's so funny. I have a bunch of last names because Star is my mom's maiden name. Uh, so I have her last name, and then Parodi. You know, we're Italian. Uh, is Parodi's a, a, a very common name in Liguria in Italy. <laughs> so, so you, you, you yeah. can have a stage name as that with that. So we'll start. Do you, are you on, on Twitter too, uh, and stuff like that? I am. Or, I am on Twitter. Um, yeah, it's just Star Parodi. All right. Um, we'll I'm, start. Thanks for calling. I had a blast, and uh, that was a great question, Peter. For uh, Star, Star will definitely look into that. And uh, thanks for calling, and best of luck. Oh, thanks, you guys, so much. And good luck with everything yourselves, and, and have a wonderful day. Take care. Okay. All right. Well, awesome. 
Hi, Jenna. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good. So I'm excited to welcome the program, Jenna Rose Simon. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Again, everyone needs to remember this hashtag right now, I am empowered because. So tell us some of the story now of why we've gotten involved in this social media, why you've been working uh, with your art and things like this. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and that story. Okay, well, um, I'm an artist and an actor, and I've been drawing for the last, for most of my life, but more seriously for the last year and a half. And um, I did a couple of drawings for just therapeutic reasons for myself, and one of them I posted just on my personal Facebook page, and one of my friends shared it, and then somehow someone else got a hold of it and shared it, and their share got around 400,000 shares on Facebook. Oh, wow. And so it... Yeah, and I'm I'm still not really sure how it happened because um, the person who got all the shares was not a celebrity and they weren't somebody I knew. So I'm not really sure how they got it but because um, I didn't have a public page. But So that was when I really kind of realized that what I was drawing might be able to help other people and that I kind of needed like a media outlet for it. So I created just a separate Instagram for my art and a separate Facebook page for my art to be able to post it, you know, more publicly where people could share it more easily and with, you know, a name that they could credit with the art. Um, And my Instagram has just kind of taken off. Like people send me really cool stories and they redraw some of my drawings. So it's just been like kind of really cool and really exciting to be able to touch people through just things that are my own stories that I'm drawing about. Yeah, and especially Jenna kind of explaining what you've been battling through. That's part of how these uh, some of these drawings have taken off, correct? Yes. Um, it's, it's mostly, it was originally just for me. You know, I was drawing for therapeutic reasons while in recovery for an eating disorder. And I didn't really think that it was necessarily going to help anybody else. It was more just me posting it posting things on my own Facebook for my own friends to see, you know, kind of what I was doing and where I was and how far I've come. And I didn't, it didn't even really honestly occur to me that it could help strangers or people that, you know, didn't know me personally until that one drawing kind of went viral. And then I thought, you know, maybe other people that are going through this would like to see these things, even if they don't know me. So maybe I should make a way for them to be able to do that. And, and through this struggle, the, the, by you, trying through your art to sharing these things. It's helped you talk to other people, get in social contacts, explain what you've gone through and trying to help others through it. Right. This is what you've been able to do a real big social. Yes. 100%. People send me particularly like direct messages on Instagram. People will send messages just about their own experiences, some in more detail than others. Um, And I mean, I'm not, of course, qualified to like give any kind of, you know, big advice other than just explaining that, you know, I went through this or I went through something similar and this is where I'm at now. And that if they keep fighting through it, they they will get through it and that they might not see that in this particular moment, but that I didn't see it in any particular moment before either. You just kind of have to keep walking through it and know that there's an end. So how are you doing struggling through this? Especially I'm doing well. That's great. I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, it, it's been a long, almost two years. This It'll be two years this September since I started the project. I'm definitely to a point where I'm finally 
doing pretty well. I still have my, you know, day-to-day things, but I'm doing much better than I was. Well, I'm glad, and I think that this is, again, another thing to teach people is if you have some release to get out either writing, art, music, anything that kind of is that release from a struggle, it's great to do. And I'm looking at your pictures right now, and they're phenomenal. Phenomenal. Are you thinking of making art a career for yourself? Are you thinking of going and doing some more types of artwork from this? Yeah, I mean, I keep, I'm always trying to continue to produce, even if sometimes, sometimes I don't have anything like emotional to produce for myself in a given moment now, because I just have less of that than I used to. So in those moments, I'll try to think of concepts or things that, you know, can be picked something that someone else might be struggling, even if it's not me and just put that out there. But I still have, you know, my moments where I need to draw something for me. And for the most part, I post it. There's, there's a case here there. I have a couple of drawings that I have not posted just because they were so intricate and so specific that I either wasn't ready to share them with the world or I didn't think they were appropriate to share. But for the most part, I post almost everything that I draw. Oh, no, that's good. That's, 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 a, that's a good thing, sharing all that. And you have an event coming up, right? Something coming up that's, uh, that you want to, uh, based on this whole campaign and everything. Am I correct? Um, I have actually a separate event. I have, I have an event coming up for a film that I shot um, almost a year ago now, and I'm working on the art campaign at the same time. So kind of two separate things, but they're going on at the same time. Oh, yeah, let's go to that. Let's go to your film now. Okay, let's talk about your acting. I'm, I apologize, but let's, let's continue. We're oh, talking okay. about what's coming. Yeah. So I have my newest film, The Art of Confession, where I play two dual roles, Carla, uh, two separate characters is going to premiere at the Action on Film Festival in L.A. in September. The festival runs the 2nd to the 10th. So I'm gearing up for that, and I'm excited for that because I played two roles, which I've never done before in the same film. So that was so a lot of So tell me about that art. How is the role of the art of confession your role in the film? You play two roles. Explain that. So... Um, the lead character is suffering from a brain, a brain tumor, and she's writing a story. And her mom knows she needs to get this life-altering procedure, and there's, you know, an 85% chance that she'll survive the procedure. But if she doesn't get the procedure, there's, you know, a pretty infinite chance that she will die. And so she – but she wants to finish her story so badly before she does the procedure in case she dies so that she has this living legacy of this script that she's writing. And so I play Arla, her best friend, who's trying to help her mother get her to take the, you know, have the procedure. But I also play a version of Arla named Lucy, which is a hallucination of the main character, Ingrid. So a couple of the main people in her life that are close to her, she has these hallucination versions of that are completely different. So a couple of us got to play multiple roles as a hallucination version of her. And they have separate names and separate identities. They just look like the same person that she knows. The film festival coming up, from when it debuts in the festival, is it going to go into theaters or is it going to go more to de- uh, more just a limited release? What's going on after that it, happens? It looks like it's going to be a limited release and probably straight to DVD. I believe okay. that's what we're looking at right now based on what I've been told. Are you happy? Getting a role like this really makes you happy and where your career is taken off, isn't it? Next le- level, what you're going to do after having a role like this. Yeah, and I mean, I think even just on the level of just this role, even if it was the last thing I ever was able to do, being given the opportunity 
to play someone like Lucy, like this alternate, you know, reality kind of she's completely crazy um, character is just kind of something like you never experience that in real life. You know what I mean? Like, and that's part of what I love about acting is just that you really do get to experience things and showcase things that you have maybe inside of you or that you've witnessed from other people that you are, are just not appropriate, you know what I mean, to like live through in real life. I mean, this character does things I could never imagine saying or doing in real life. All right, so tell us the best thing, first of all, with uh, the uh, hashtag I am empowered because that's for Instagram to use that, and we could use that also on Twitter. But where are the best places to find mm-hmm. information on you? 